Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. Tips and advice on developing confidence, embracing your style, and attracting the love and sex you want. Hello again, welcome to another episode of Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. I'm so glad you're joining me. I love hearing from you guys. You've been sending me some really, really wonderful messages lately about your successes and your accomplishments, your newfound confidence, in some cases, new relationships. Woohoo! So I couldn't be happier. Please keep up the good work. You're doing so great. I'm so proud of you, truly. Okay, so this week, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, drum roll, change. <laughs> change. Hmm. What a loaded word that is, huh? It's exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. We all respond to the idea of change with both uh, excitement and curiosity and gut-clenching fear all at the same time. I mean, we know that it's good. We know that life is nothing but a series of changes. We hear adages and expressions like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And, um, you know, the only constant is change. Uh, change is good as a rest, you know, stuff like that. And we know that some of the most rewarding things in our own lives have come about due to a drastic change of some kind or another. A new baby, a new move to a new place, a new job. Yet we fear all of those things too, don't we? I mean, change is scary, no doubt. We resist it, of course, because we like things to be comfortable and easy. Who doesn't, you know? We like things to be just good. Just, just stay this way for a while, okay? Just, let's be just good okay <laughs> you know we don't we don't like to disrupt our routines or the familiar things that we've become used to and change is also risky right i mean what if things really suck after i make this change what if i hate the new town i move to what if i regret having a baby or getting married you know what if everything goes to hell and i look back at this as the worst mistake i ever made i should have just left well enough alone you know sometimes we're resistant to change because we feel that we've invested too much in the status quo already. This is called the sunk cost fallacy. I'll give you a link to a little bit more about that. The belief that you, you can't change something because of the amount of time, effort, money, or some other investment that you've already put into something. You've sunk costs into it. You can't leave your marriage of 20 years because, well, you've already put in 20 years. You know, you can't leave a, a graduate school program that you don't like because you've already put in two years and $100,000. You know, you, you have to finish. You can't move from the neighborhood that you don't like anymore because you've spent all that money renovating the house, you know, things like that. And while there can be very rational and sensible reasons to stick with something that you've invested in, of course, just keep in mind that sometimes it's better to cut your losses, as they say, to not spend even more time, money, or effort on something that you don't want in your life. You know, take the hit, accept that you may have lost your investment, whatever it is, but look ahead to getting what you do want. You know, in other words, don't make a bad situation even worse. Because in spite of all the fear and uncertainty around change, we are still drawn to it. It's as if we're programmed somehow to be curious about the unknown, to want to try new things, and to want to improve our situation. 
I mean, we certainly have imagination enough to daydream and fantasize about a different life. I mean, what if we could be different than we are now? What's just around the corner? What's, you know, what's coming up? Wouldn't that be something if we were completely different than we are now? I mean, the fact that so many people play the lottery tells you just how eager <laughs> many of us are for the idea of change. The idea, I said, not the reality. Many lottery winners end up miserable, but I digress. We're, <laughs> we're drawn to the promise of change, to the ideal life or situation that we think could just be around the corner if only we had the courage to go after it. And that's what it comes down to, really, is courage. Finding the courage to change. No matter how you look at it or what reasons you find for and against making any change in your life, it all seems to come down to that one thing, just overcoming your fear and going for it. If you're listening to this series, and I'm glad you are, <laughs> it's because you too are looking to make some changes of some kind. Maybe you want to completely overhaul your life, or maybe you just want to make some small adjustments. But very likely, you want to affect some changes in your outlook, your circumstances, your situation, your love life, you know, or, or all of them even. <laughs> you know that you could feel better, be a bit happier, maybe look better, whatever. You're drawn to the idea that you can take steps to make that happen. And just thinking like that, just having that kind of optimism and hope, I think it's one of the very best things about being alive, being human, it's, it's a remarkable gift we have. The knowledge that we can change our circumstances. We're the only species that can, really. Um, animals pretty much have to suffer through whatever's going on in their world because they have no concept of being able to do much about it, you know, beyond maybe <laughs> bugging their owners to let them inside or outside or whatever, you know. But we humans have the ability to project and to focus our minds on the abstract, the future, you know, as scary as it can be, as difficult as it can be, at least we can change things for the better. And that's wonderful. So what does it take? If change is so great, why is it so hard to do? Why is it so hard to, to make those changes? And what happens if, if you're depressed or you're so dispirited that you don't have the, the, the wherewithal to start something new? What if you've had poor self-esteem for so long that the thought of making the changes that you suspect that you really should make are just, they're just too terrifying right now? I mean, I'm like you. I resist change in many ways. I'm scared and unsure too. But I've found a few ways of looking at it that, that might help. And I have changed my life pretty drastically. I've moved countries. I've done all kinds of things. So, so anyway, here's my thoughts. Here goes. Aside from some real steps that you can follow, which I'll get to later, the most important thing to think about when it comes to making changes is your comfort zone. You know that phrase, comfort zone, you know, that really buzzy, you know, catch-all term that sums it up pretty well, I think. We have this little bubble around us in which we're generally pretty okay with things. Maybe it's our home, our family, our friends, whatever level of pretty much anything that you want to measure, you know, that's where you're kind of okay. Comfort is probably the wrong word, really, because many of us wouldn't say that we're exactly comfortable where we are. It's just that we feel we can deal with things. We can live with it the way it is. We know the terrain and we don't feel too anxious about it. And yet 
if we want anything to improve, if we want things to get better, we know, don't we, deep down, that we have to leave the comfort zone. And that's because almost nothing great ever happens without someone stepping outside of that comfort zone, without a risk of some kind, without doing something out of character, something you're not used to doing, something that scares you even, you know? I think it's not so much about becoming actually physically uncomfortable. And I think that's what scares a lot of people into inaction. You know, they, they really don't want to make themselves go through something unpleasant. And I mean, really, who can blame them, you know? But sometimes I think, like in some cases, it, it's it's actually useful to make yourself squirm, so to speak. If you're cripplingly shy, for example, or if you've if you've removed yourself from society for so long that you don't quite know how to relate to anyone anymore, I think it would really help if you made yourself do something uncomfortable, like joining a social group or a club or something. You need something dramatic to shake you up a bit sometimes. You know, like in those old movies where someone gets hysterical and so someone else <laughs> slaps them across the face and the person goes, thanks, I needed that, you know? <laughs> in some ways, being uncomfortable feeling that surge of adrenaline, feeling nervous and feeling your heart pounding, all that stuff. Sometimes it's really good for you. You know, it wakes you up a bit. It reminds you that you're alive, you know, that you can respond differently to different stimuli, that life doesn't have to be a mundane series of routines. But in general, when I say comfort zone, I really mean that you need to look beyond what you normally do, beyond those routines that I mentioned. You need to step outside of yourself for a moment to involve yourself in new situations with new people. And you need to be willing to face the uncertainty of the unknown. It's like starting a new job or taking a new class. That first day is a little nerve wracking. You know, you enter the room feeling so unsure, not really sure what you're doing. You don't really want to attract too much attention or, or stand out for the wrong reasons. But this is good for us. This keeps us from getting bored or complacent. It keeps us alert and ready for new things. I mean, nobody likes it. <laughs> I mean, of course not. Sometimes we want more than anything for just everything to stay the same. As I, as I said, no surprises, no challenges, nothing to be nervous about or nothing to learn. But I think, you know, this isn't really good for us. We stagnate when we don't challenge ourselves. I think it goes back to, to the way we were back in, back in the day, back when we were cave people. We were very observant of change in our circumstances around us, in our environment around us. We had to be. It was a matter of survival. We had to be observant and know when things were changing, whether it was the weather or the the, the kind of nomadic animals that we were following um, for the hunt, things like that. We had to be very aware of change. And I don't think our brains have, have, have changed that much. Um, speaking of change, <laughs> I don't think our brains have, have really adapted to the modern world too much. We still look for it. I think we still need it to keep us healthy. Now, as for stepping out of the comfort zone, if you want some inspiration, start watching some documentaries or read some books that tell the stories of famous brands or movies or celebrities or just about anything else. Because invariably, at some point in the story, you'll hear about some incredible leap of faith that someone took to make it happen. Some dramatic gamble of huge proportions that would have, you know, bankrupted the company if it hadn't worked, things like that. Almost every successful venture in life has that element in its story. 
And the same is true for a person's life. I mean, Bill Gates dropped out of college to found Microsoft. James Dyson, that um, vacuum cleaner guy, you know, he, he ended up owing millions of dollars and had mortgaged everything he owned, risking everything on the hope that this new kind of vacuum would, would be a hit. And then, you know, there's, there's things like the fact that every single signer of the American Declaration of Independence risked death by hanging as traitors if their revolution against Britain had failed. So, on a smaller level, you can ask your parents, ask your family, your friends, did they ever take a big risk on something? Did they ever do something so out of character, something that they were really scared to do? You know, chances are they did. And they ended up with something life-changing and, and wonderful. Maybe your dad worked up the courage to ask your mom out on a date, you know, something he'd never done before and likely wouldn't have even tried again, you know? Maybe your, your grandfather talked his way into a job when no one was hiring, you know? Maybe someone you know hung around a record company's office until he was able to personally hand his demo to an executive there, you know? There, there are millions and millions of stories like these. So many that the common theme, you know, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, really stands out as the, the common denominator that makes a huge difference. The thing is, too, that when sometimes when people take a risk and it doesn't work out, they still learn something really crucial from the experience, or else something else happens that they weren't expecting, something good. You may have heard that expression, one door closes and another one opens, something along those lines. Even failure is a valuable thing and something we really shouldn't be so afraid of. It's, it's a great teacher, and once you've failed a few times, you stop fearing it so much, and you just learn from it next time. Now, something interesting I've noticed about this, this is just a little observation here, if you don't mind. People who seem generally happy in their lives, who don't seem to have too many issues or problems, they're pretty much okay with who they are, with their relationships, that sort of thing. They are, ironically it seems, the most likely to take risks, I've noticed, the most likely to step out of their comfort zone and welcome change. They have it good, and yet they're the ones willing to switch careers or move to a new country or try to meet new people or whatever. They're willing to bet their happiness on an unknown, ready to change everything, even in spite of having it good. But the people who are the most dissatisfied with their lives, the unhappiest people, the people who just aren't content with the way things are, they, ironically, are the ones that seem likely to remain in the same place, the same situation, the same kind of unhappy rut. They have much more reason to change things than happy people do, but they're more unwilling to change. Have you noticed this? Miserable people stay miserably the same for years and years. Nothing ever improves. Nothing ever changes. Maybe they fantasize about things becoming better. Maybe they hope things will change. But they do nothing to bring it about. And instead, they just remain miserable, usually until something outside themselves forces them to adjust, like a job loss or a change in health, something like that. Now, this becomes a chicken-and-the-egg sort of question, then, you know, which, which comes first? Are people unhappy because they don't change? Or do they not change because they're unhappy? Are the well-adjusted people, they're just blessed with health and happiness and so they can easily take risks and make changes because 
they're sort of the golden child of life? Or do they appear blessed and fortunate and golden child-like because they welcome and embrace change? It's an interesting question. I tend to think in both cases, your attitude towards change is a factor in your level of happiness, not the other way around. The more new experiences you welcome into your life, the happier you are overall. Just for example, it's well known that when older people keep their brains active and engaged in learning new things, in other words, changing their status quo, they show remarkable improvements in memory and cognitive function, as opposed to people who just do the same thing over and over again. They just do the same knitting or crosswords or whatever it was they used to like to do. Change seems to keep us young, youthful, alert, and happy. And I also think it's worth considering that when happy people embrace change, they're moving towards something, not away from it. They seek out better things, new experiences. They want something refreshing and different. They're not running away from something. So keep that in mind whenever you think about making a change. Move towards something positive, not away from something negative. So for example, start eating better and exercising because you want to feel better and be healthier, not because you hate what you see in the mirror. Look for a new job because you want to try a new career or develop a new skill, not because you have to leave your current hellhole of a job, you know? I mean, I suppose to some, to some degree both can be true, but in your own mind, make sure that the main reason you're making a change is a positive one, to enhance and refresh your life, not just to put out a fire, so to speak. Okay, so suppose you're okay with the idea of making some changes, big, small, in between, whatever, but you're not sure how to go about it. Here are some general points I think are worth exploring before you decide to make any change. Number one, change is always and only self-motivated. You can't change for someone, for a cause, or because you think you should. It just won't happen. So just forget about it. <laughs> if your spouse wants you to lose weight, or you want to quit smoking because no one else at work smokes, or if you think you should become a more diligent recycler because <laughs> all your neighbors are, forget it. Your desire to change something about yourself or your life has to come from deep within you. It has to be so compelling and motivating that you just can't imagine being the way you once were. You have to be so disgusted by the idea of smoking that you never want to see another cigarette again. You know, you have to love working out and eating healthy so much. You have to love your new body so much that you don't even want the junk food anymore. You have to feel so moved by environmentalism that you naturally and easily start making recycling a priority. You know what I'm saying, right? You've likely heard this a million times, but it's absolutely true. You have to want to change. But let me get into that a little deeper, if I may, playing um, Dr. Freud here. Sometimes people think, think that they want to change, but deep down they don't. Or rather, they'd like the benefits they'd get from having changed, but they don't want to do the actual work of changing. I mean, some people, for example, start dieting and working out because they'd like to look sexier and hopefully attract a lover. But deep down, they resent having to change their body to fit some societal ideal. And they actually think they should be able to attract someone just the way they are. So they subtly sabotage their efforts or they lose the willpower they started out with. 
or in some cases they end up resenting the people who do become attracted to them, thinking, well, you, well, you should have liked me before I got all sexy, you know, that sort of thing. This kind of person doesn't really want to change, in a sense. They want the world to change instead. They want reality to change to suit whatever they happen to be, you know. I should be able to have a sexy partner who adores me, even if I'm too shy to talk to anyone, you know. A hottie should like me for who I am, so I'm not going to change myself and start becoming more social to hell with that, you know, that kind of thing. If you think you have any of this going on, if you think you should make changes to improve your life, but uh, only because society or other people have made these sort of unspoken rules and you start to resent them for it, trust me, you won't succeed. You not only have to want to change, but you have to see the value of changing. You have to know deep down in your heart of hearts that it's a good thing to do and it's something you really want for yourself. You have to want to lose weight because you want to look and feel better for yourself because you honestly feel that's the best thing for you. And you have to not resent society or the opposite sex or the media or whatever for making you have to do this, you know? You have to want to become more sociable around people because you know it's a natural human desire to communicate and bond with other humans, you know, not because you hate the fact that people are so lame, they need these ridiculous rituals and small talk and you have to play along, you know, you see what I mean? <laughs> For any change you're considering making, introspect a little and ask yourself how you really feel about it. Do you feel any obligation to change from any source? yourself, your family, society, anything, you know? And do you feel any hostility or resentment at the idea of having to change? Because it would honestly be better to hold off on trying to make changes in your life if the answer is yes. It would be better to wait and try to sort this out for yourself. If you don't want to go to the gym and get ripped just to get a girl, you know, maybe it's better to say, screw it, I'm going to be who I am and look for a woman who appreciates me just as I am. Or maybe you love your low-paying job and you really, 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 really don't want to go back to school and struggle for some prestigious career. Maybe you'll say, screw it, quality of life is way more important to me than the prestige of my job or, the, or my bank balance, you know. Sometimes change isn't the best thing for you right now. Or maybe you just need to examine your resentment or your unwillingness to change. Maybe just realizing it's there and giving yourself a shake will be all you need to embrace a positive change. Maybe you can say to yourself, yeah, I know I've been resisting making this change because I felt all butthurt about it, you know, <laughs> I didn't feel like I should have to change, but I'm only hurting myself by not making this improvement. So screw it. <laughs> you also have to introspect and make sure that you're ready for the results of any change that you intend on making. Make sure you're emotionally ready for it. I mean, for example, some women are really unprepared for the male attention that comes their way when they lose weight. Not having had it before, they don't know what to do with it and it can be scary and overwhelming. And sometimes they gain all the weight back as a subconscious way of protecting themselves from all this kind of uncomfortable attention and not knowing what to do. Some people who have had poor self-esteem their whole lives are unprepared for the social demands put on them once they start to socialize more. They feel they don't deserve the attention or the friendship of others. And certainly some people who have been too shy around others actually sabotage relationships because they don't feel that they're worthy of love. 
There's other things too, like some ex-drinkers become drug users because they don't know how to cope with problems that drinking used to mask. Um, some people find they lose friends when they stop living the way they once did. So make sure that if you're making a change in order to bring about you know, some positive thing into your life, that you're ready for it and really okay with having it. Make sure you know that other things are going to change along with you. Be prepared for it if you can, and find ways to deal with those new challenges when they arise. Bottom line, you have to genuinely, sincerely want to change, and genuinely, sincerely understand why this change is good. Okay, number two. Change has to be slow and steady. One of the worst things you can do, I think, is try to change yourself or your life overnight. I mean, while there are a few success stories here and there, while there are some people who can just go cold turkey, as they say, and quit smoking or drinking or whatever on a dime and never look back, for most people, baby steps is the way to go. Because you need to give yourself time to adapt and time for any new habits that you need to develop to really take root. Or you need to wean yourself off of the old comforting habits slowly. So make the smallest improvement you can make on a daily basis, something that isn't too uncomfortable at first, but which still shows you that you're moving forward. I mean, if, for example, your goal is to clean out that disaster area of a spare room, you know, don't, don't tell yourself you have to do the whole behemoth tonight or else, you know, that would just be too daunting. And you would probably find ways to back out of it. But if you said, I'm going to spend half an hour on it and that's it, or I'm going to throw out one garbage bag worth of stuff and that's it for today. It's a much easier challenge to take on. Don't say you're never going to eat junk food again. That's it. It's nothing but bean sprouts and carrot sticks for me from now on. You know, <laughs> don't do that. Just start by saying one day this week, I'm going to go junk food free. Just one day. No, don't go sign up for a year's gym membership. Go for a walk around the block. You know, start small and keep it up. And also consider starting with something that doesn't matter too much to you at first, something kind of painless. Like rearrange the furniture in your house, you know, change the artwork on your walls, something like that. You'll feel the benefits of making a small change without it being scary or disruptive. Or you could try a new thing like, um, like taking guitar lessons or learning to cook. These are two things women love, by the way. Ding, ding, ding. Here's a little hint. Women love a man who can cook and who can play guitar. So sign up for some evening course at your local college and learn how to cook and start to learn how to play the guitar. Just, it, these are small little things you can do. They're relatively painless. If you don't like it, you can stop. But it's a way of bringing about some new things into your life that may actually make you that much more attractive to women. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Number three, be your own cheerleader. Be aware of and celebrate every little victory. Don't just take it for granted. If you decided to cut down to, I don't know, five cigarettes a day for this month, I, I don't know, I'm just picking numbers out of the air here, I don't know, <laughs> and you stuck to it, celebrate this. Congratulate yourself. Love yourself up for it. Buy yourself something you've wanted. Treat yourself in some other way. Be proud of your accomplishments, no matter how small. Number four, don't sweat the fallback because sometimes you will slip up. Sometimes you will have that extra piece of cheesecake, even when you've been doing so well, not overindulging. 
Sometimes you'll chicken out and not go to the social event after work, even though you've been going to them for a couple of months now. It's okay. You're not perfect. You're not looking for perfection here. Progress, not perfection. Just look at all the amazing things you've been able to do and give yourself a break for any slip-ups. Accept and embrace the fact that change is not easy. You're doing something really difficult, so acknowledge that. Of course you're going to slip up and fall back sometimes. What you're doing is really, really hard. And number five, trust the process. One of the hardest things about change, or about anything really, is that we are results driven and completely impatient to have or achieve the things we want. We want it yesterday, right? <laughs> we want everything yesterday. And when things take longer than we like, or we don't see the results within a short amount of time, we tend to give up altogether. You start dieting for a week or two and the scale doesn't budge. So you throw your hands up in the air and you go for the Ben and Jerry's, you know, you gather your courage to ask someone out and they turn you down. And so you vow never to ask anyone out again. You know what I mean? The hardest thing is to be patient and trust the process, even when the results you want take longer than you might like. Sometimes, if you're fortunate, making a change can start improving your life almost immediately. Deciding to start smiling and greeting your coworkers one day could lead to being asked to join them that night after work where you meet an awesome person with whom you really connect, whatever. Um, quitting smoking actually starts changing your body for the better within hours. But in some cases, in many cases, in fact, change is gradual and slow. And the road to success won't be a straight line. If you have setbacks, if you plateau in weight loss, if you ask out some person and they decline, if you try to change your job, but even after a year you can't get an interview, you know, you have to stay the course. This is where wanting to change for its own sake is so valuable. You won't need willpower to keep going. It'll just make sense for you to keep going. It won't matter if you don't see more muscle definition. You'll keep going swimming because you enjoy it so much and you'll feel healthier and more energized regardless of what you look like. You won't need to force yourself to keep talking to people after a rejection. You'll understand that it was a victory just that you did it in the first place and that rejection is par for the course for absolutely everyone. <laughs> if you trust the process, if you know that you're in this for the long haul, and that you don't have to have everything you want overnight, I think you'll be able to stay the course. So, that's it for this episode. I hope I've given you some things to think about, and maybe some willingness to make some changes. <laughs> Small ones, maybe big ones. But just wanting to improve your life is a big change for many people. So congratulate yourself on this. You're doing great. So, until next time, remember... You're an attractive, interesting person worthy of love, and you're well on the way to finding it. Take care, and bye for now.